We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. I want to talk tonight. I want us to just share for a night. It's a tonight. Yesterday night, after more, I was in my room and I had, I had three lines. I had the word, the power, the power in the word, the power of the word. All right? The word, the power, the power of the word, the power in the word. Three sentences. Let me make three sentences and see what we make of those sentences. Right? The word is power. The word has power. The word releases power. The word is power. The word has power. The word releases power. The word is power. The word has power. The word releases power. Bear those three statements in mind as we go on a journey tonight. Is that okay? So I'm taking you on a journey of the word, the power, and the believer. Say with me the word, the power, and the believer. Bear those three statements in mind. The word is power. The word has power. The word releases power. Let's start from that first word, word. (laughs) Pun intended. Yeah? (laughs) Let's start with the word, word. What does the word, word mean? Oftentimes in our lives, we assume that we know what a thing means. And because we haven't really questioned it, when the rubber hits the road, we don't have a working definition for something we know. You know it. You know it. You know it. I mean, you, you cannot say you don't know it. But, but you can't articulate it. A working definition when the rubber hits the road. So it's important to put things in perspective. Now, uh, in, in, in interpreting God's word, context is key. Right? So we're looking at word in the context of our faith. Hello? And, and, and then if I ask you what, what is the word in contextually, what's the first thing that will come to your mind? Yeah, Christ. But is that all there is to the word word? Contextually? Mm-hmm. So is it every single time we see the word, word, that is referring to Christ? But you're right, no. It's not every time. It would be erroneous to assume that every time the word, word appears in scripture, it refers to Christ. 
And this is where we start to have issues with theologians, you know, mixing things up. But there are three dimensions to consider when you are looking at the word word in the context of our faith. The first one, and, and that's where English again doesn't really do us justice. Yeah? The first word to consider when looking at the word word in the context of the Christian faith is the word in the Hebrew, in the Greek graphe. G-R-A-P-H-E with some sort of accent on the top. Graphe. And the word graphe in the Greek refers to stuff that is written down. Does that make sense? Any form of communication that is written down is referred to as the graphe. I don't want to go ahead of myself. I said I'm going to take you on a journey, but that is why, again, we have much issue with the religion surrounding this book. This book is not the word of God. This book is not holy. This book, Ababio, Understanding Mathematics, Mills and Boom, Fifty Shades of Grey, are all graphe. It's just stuff that is written down. So in the book in your hand is not holy. The enemy can collect the book from your hand. Use it and slap you and beat you left, right and center. And then give you back the book. So for those of you that put the book under your pillow. Put it on your chest. You just give the devil a platform to press you very well. Especially with a Bible this size. He will press you. He will press you. So it's just stuff written down. The second word translate from which the, uh, you get a translation of word in English is the word and on mind. This one is so misconstrued. This word has suffered. Is the word rema. Mm-hmm. See, you hear yourself? Ah. And then erroneously, over the ages, the charismatics and Pentecostals have interpreted rema to mean revealed word. Rema does not mean revealed word. Rema in the original means an utterance that is specific to a particular circumstance. Any utterance that is specific or addresses a particular circumstance is referred to in the scripture in Bible language as a rema. Do you understand? So therefore, you cannot say or put a blanket definition that a rema word is a revealed word or the rema word is a revelation of God's word. No, it's not. It's just anything spoken addressing a particular issue. Does that make sense? So, toilet written there is graphe. And I'm here, and I'm like, so, I'm here, if you're here for the first time, you don't know where the toilets are. The toilets are that way to your right, which will be my left. That was a rema. It did not reveal anything that wasn't already there. 
it just addressed something at that point in time. So Rema is not a revealed word. For you to determine or describe or de- define it as a revealed word, it must be something that did not exist before then. Yes. So it's erroneous to define Rema as revelation. Because that will put a Rema word in direct competition with Christ, who is the revelation of the word and the word itself. That takes us to our third word, from which we get the translation of word in English, and that's the word logos. And again, another error. Because when we say logos, what comes to your mind? Christ, the son. But actually, no. Because again, you say Christ is the logos, Christ is the logos, Christ is the logos. What does logos mean? Because if you go and check the definition of logos, you will not see Christ next to it, as it were. (laughs) The definition of logos is the embodiment of the thoughts and ideas of a person. Ah, I said I'm taking you on a journey, right? Of the word and power. The embodiment of a thought and ideas of a person. So everything a person knows, thinks, or is convinced or persuaded by brought together in a body of work is called a logos. If a professor emeritus wrote something on neuroscience, for instance, that is comprehensive enough to capture everything there is to explore in that subject, that book, that that body of work, is the logos of neuroscience. It is written, graphic, Time to time, if you're doing a surgery, you refer to it to deal with a particular issue, Rema. But culminatively, it is the logos in that particular field of study. Are we together? That is the logos. How then does this reflect Christ as logos? Because my brethren, Christ is the completion, the complete essence of everything the Father thinks. Christ is the body of work of everything the Father processes. That's why he's the express image of God. So Christ becomes the logos of God Because the entire thoughts, imaginations, processes, creative powers, energies of God. What God thinks about any and every matter at any and every point is personified in Christ. So Christ becomes the Logos. So Logos does not necessarily mean Christ. The word. But Christ is the Logos of God. Do we understand? Therefore, this Logos, any Logos for that matter, informs the Graphe and the Rema. Because whether written or whether uttered, 
It is drawn from the Logos. The reason why you can have a formula written in the book and have a teacher explain that formula to you, that's Graphy and Rema, is because they both draw from the body of work that is the authority of that subject. Do you understand? Yes, sir. Esther, miracle, do you understand? Yeah, I'm Penny. Yeah? So therefore, I am one. Do you understand? So graphic, say graphic, means written word. Means what? Good. And then rema, say rema. That means spoken word. So what Abigail did today was what? Spoken word. So she gave you what? A rema. Good. And what was written is a graphe. So she gave a rema of what was written. So she gave a spoken word from what she had written. So she gave a rema of a graphe. Do you understand now? Logos is what she wrote, where it came from. The source of that thing. What gave her the knowledge about what she wrote that she said. Do you understand? That is Logos. So which comes first? Logos. Right? Because you have to know something to write it. And then from what you write, you then see. You got it? Fist bump. So the Logos informs the graphe and the Rema. Are we together? Yes. Christ, therefore, is the personified epicenter of any word written and uttered. An epicenter, if you've ever watched National Geographic or Animal Planet or any of them, natural, natural disaster movies, you see a tsunami or a hurricane spinning around or gathering. The very center of gravity of that thing is the point by which you measure that thing. It's an epicenter. Yeah? Every word uttered Every word spoken, the epicenter of it is Christ. So Christ is the force from which every word derives. Do we understand? Yeah. He's the epicenter of every word. Let's look at John chapter 1. The word is power. The word has power. The word releases power. I have to be quick with this. Ah, man. I don't like to teach and rush, you know. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Because, you know, Bible study is not preaching. Yes, okay. It's systematic. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Keep going. We're going to 14. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Pay attention to that. The world was made through the word. 
And the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will. We'll go back now. Not of the will of, there's one more line of flesh, that's it. Not of the will of man, but of God. 14, key. And that word that has just been described, that word that created the world, that word that is light and gives light, became flesh. NLT in 14, and dwelt among us. So the word became human. The message. The message. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's what's up, isn't it? That's what's up. He became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, King James, full of grace and truth. Now, see, don't forget we said now Christ is the logos of God. Yeah? See 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. Actually, up to three. First John one, first John same same writer, you know, right? Yes. Same guy wrote a gospel in quote according to John. Same guy wrote first, second, and third John. Same guy wrote Revelation. Yeah, he wrote five books. So that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the capital word of life. Keep going. The life was manifested. And we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us and truly have fellowship with the Father. So you see the word becoming flesh and dwelt among us. That's the logos. Are we together? So now you understand what the word word means. Scriptural context, right? Graphe, the written word. Rema, the uttered word. Or the circumstantial word. Make sense? So, so what is Rema to you? Might not be Rema to somebody else. Alright? Yeah? Do you understand? The Holy Spirit will teach you the rest of it at home. And, and, <laughs> and then, because if I had my way, I'll be here. I can teach this till morning. Yeah? It's not everything that is serious. Sometimes you just want to drop a word. Boom. And then you now go and chew it over time. Do you understand? I feel like that sometimes. And then of course there's a logos which is the embodiment of the thoughts and ideas of a person and of course that is Christ. Because Christ is the logos of God. He's the express image of God. So everything there is to know about God is captured in Christ. I repeat everything there is to know about God is captured in Christ. Therefore you cannot know God outside of Christ. So he says in John 4 and 14 and 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Christ is the only way to know the Father. Oh, show us the Father and it will suffice for us. Have I been with you this long and you do not know me? He says, have I been with you this long and you don't know the Father? So Christ is the Father revealed. There's no other way to know God except Christ. And therefore, 
the beginning of every false religion. You know, false religions do not deny the existence of a supreme being. I'll teach that in DSTP. No, no false religion denies the existence of a supreme being in one form or the other. It's never the issue with false religions. The issue with false religions is that they intend or hope or think they have established a way to such a being other than Christ. Do you understand, Daniel? So they, they, they all believe there's a supreme being, whatever they call him. Do you understand? Whatever they call him. Even here in Nigeria, Eledumare, uh, Chuku, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure, about, I don't know the Abbasi one very well, but, right? But they are, these are gods that are not necessarily referring to Jehovah. I don't know if there's another word for, but you can say Allah in, in, in Islam and it doesn't refer to our God. Do you understand? The house of the Yoruba say Elidumari is not necessarily our God. Their own gods, the God of Thunder, you know, Shongo and, and all the others are referred to as Elidumari. That's why I'm very careful with beginning to call God what men called him. Because you call him Kabiesi, they call the king human Kabiesi. So it becomes very dicey. Do you understand what I'm saying? It becomes very dicey to begin to give God names. That, you know, like in the song Ekwime, one of the chants, you know, in Igbo, it says that the masquerade that shows up in the daytime and everybody runs. Yeah. Yes. Has anybody paid attention to it? Because me, I went and asked what everything the song is singing. That's why there's some beats I sing, some beats I don't sing. I don't owe anybody an apology. So by the time you're describing God as a masquerade that shows up in the daytime when no other masquerade shows up, you have carried diabolical traditional typologies and tried to sprinkle the blood on it. And you can never, listen to me carefully, you can never inject God into what he wasn't originally in. You can't. You can't put God into what's originally in. You can't. Do you understand that? That was for free. That just delivered somebody right now. Can't. If he wasn't in it, you can't inject him in it. If it has life, it came from him. He is life. If it didn't come from him, he doesn't, he's not obligated to sustain it. So we understand the word. We understand the three dimensions of it. Now let's begin to go into power. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 4. Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Ecclesiastes. Are we there? Where the word of a king is, there's power. Let's do the whole verse. That's the only line I need. But And who may say to him, what are you doing? The word power in the Hebrew, because Exodus was written in Hebrew originally, is the word shilton. The word power is the word shilton in Hebrew, pronounced, spelled as, as it is pronounced, shilton, like Hilton. Hilton, with an S before the Hilton. Shilton, yeah. And that is derived from the word shalat, which means power. And that power means supreme power, authority. Authority as of a royal right? Supreme. When he says something that cannot be reversed. That's the word shalat in the Hebrew. The word then translated into the derivative 
Chilton. Power as a noun. Where the word graphe, rema, logos of a king is, there is power. So there is a connection between word and power. Between power and word. And somewhere in that interplay, royalty is involved. There's an interplay between word and power, between power and word. And somewhere in that, royalty is involved. In DSTP, we'll explore, there's a whole unit, a whole module called the power of the church and the scope of that power. Power, as translated in the Old Testament, is the Hebrew word, shilton, derived from the word, Shalat, in the New Testament, is a word that almost everybody in this room knows. It's a word, duname. Duname, like dunamis. But instead of M-I-S, it's M-A-I. M-dunamai, or duname. So when that work, when that power is doing something, it becomes dunamis, a verb. All right? Huh. When it's qualifying something, it is dunamin. So these are different variants, the adverb of that. But the word itself in the noun form is dunamai or duname, the power of God. And it means the might, the miraculous working strength of God. Right? We have explored what word is. We have explored that the logos from which the graphe and the drama derive, that logos of God is Christ. Hmm? And we have seen in Exodus 8.4 that that word, wherever that word is in the mouth of a king, that word is or has or releases what, whatever it does. Wherever that word is, there's power involved. And then power is the word Shilton in the Hebrew. Exodus and the word in all the times that appears in the New Testament is the word duname, from which you get the word dunamis. Are we together? If the word is Christ, which it is, the Logos, right? If the word is Christ, and where that word is, there's power, then Christ is the power. It follows, right? If the word is Christ in Logos form, and of course, if the word is Christ in Logos form, then both the graphe and the Rema one way or the other, put him on display. Because what you write is about Christ. What you say is about Christ. It derives from Christ. So at that point, whether it be Rema, Logos, or Graphe, it is Christ. Now where the word is, there is power. That word, whether it was made flesh, before it was made flesh, after it was made flesh, when it ceased to be flesh. And then when it now became flesh. Because before the word became flesh, the word was word and the word was power. And then it became flesh with power. And then ceased to become flesh with power. And then became billions of flesh. With power. If Christ is the word and the word is power, then Christ is power. If the word is the power of God, then Christ is the power of God. So Christ is the miraculous might of God. Christ is not just the thoughts of God. Christ is the culmination of the ability of God. Anything God can ever do was done in Christ. 
strip God of Christ and he's powerless. Do you understand what I just said? Because power is ability. Talk to follow me now. Yeah? Power is ability. Power is miraculous strength. Power and, and, and if that dunamis or dunamai is the word and the word is Christ, then Christ is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 22-24. For context. For Jews request a sign. Am I right? And Greeks seek after wisdom. Here, yeah, 23. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, because, listen, if anybody is powerful, if anybody is called a professor emeritus, it's because he has explored everything in his field of expertise there is to explore. Right? So he's called powerful in that regard. If Christ is the logos of God, it means Christ is everything God thinks, everything God says, everything God processes. If that word logos is power, and power is ability, then Christ is the ability of God. Christ is the best God can do. God cannot do, say, think, be, shine better than Christ. If you want to see what Christ, God is capable of, Christ. Because there's a direct correlation between what what your substance is and what your manifestation is. It's out of what you know, out of who you are, that you then produce something. So all of God's thoughts, all of God's ideas, all of God's finesse, all of God's beauty, all of God's glory, all of God's forgiveness, all of God's love, all of God's mercy, all of God's miraculous working power, all of God's grace, all of God's thanksgiving, all of that is the logos captured in Christ. And because of that, it is the ability of God in Christ. Do you understand? So the word is Christ, Logos, and the word is power, and Christ is the word, so Christ is power. And if Christ is power of God, then Christ is the ability of God. Now, as, as just a side dish, it also says in 24 that Christ is the wisdom of God. Though. So every sense that God has is Christ. Luke chapter 11, verse 49. This is just by the way, by the way. Luke eleven forty-nine. Luke eleven forty-nine. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said. So the wisdom of, I said this is a side though. The wisdom of God, sir, is a person. The man Christ Jesus. When you understand this, go to Proverbs chapter 4. When you understand this, go verse 1. Proverbs 4, 1. It will, a light bulb will come up in somebody's head right now. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Hear my children, the instruction of a father. Go on and give attention to, one, to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. Keep going. When I was with my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother. He also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and leave. Keep going. Get wisdom. Get understanding. 
Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting. 1 Corinthians 1.30 30, 30, 3.0 But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became So you are shouting wisdom is the principal thing wisdom, Christ is the principal thing is the wisdom of God. He had to come out with that tone, sir. Christ is the wisdom of God. That is why in Luke 11, God is speaking and he said, the wisdom of God said. Christ became for us wisdom of God. He's the power of God. And if he's the power of God, he's the ability of God. And part of the ability that defines God is wisdom. The all-wise God. And that ability of God to be wise is Christ. Christ is why God is wise. Because he's the wisdom of God. (laughs) I said I'm taking you on a journey. Do you understand? That was just by the way. So the word of God is the power of God and the power of God is the word. And that word informs everything God uttered and everything God wrote. The word is powerful, right? Hebrews 4, 12. The word of God is quick and powerful, active, sharp. Sharper than any two-edged sword. We're aware of that. And I wrote here, therefore, in every spoken word of God, there is Christ to back it up. So a spoken word, a word cannot be said to be attributed to God outside the authentication of Christ. Christ is the force of God's word because Christ is the word of God. If you write, what you wrote draws power because Christ is behind it. If you speak, what you speak draws power because Christ is behind it. If Christ shows up, power behind it. Do you understand? Hebrews 1.3 Oh Lord Jesus, I'm just about to start this thing. I have to close it. Oh Father Lord, help me. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, watch this, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Christ upholds all things God created by the word of his power. God created stuff and those things can exist because they subsist in Christ. Do you understand? And not only is he upholding what God created by the word of his power, 
Christ is the word by which what God created was created that Christ is upholding. God, Jesus, is upholding all things by the word of his power. All things that were created by God. Christ is the ability of God. So if God can uphold anything, the upholder of that thing is Christ. And if Christ is the ability of God and thus the one upholding the creation of God, Christ is the creation of God. In other words, the ability of God to create itself, what Christ is upholding, is Christ. John chapter 1 verse 3. John 1 3. You will get it in a bit. I hate that I have to close. Look at it on there now. All things were made through the word. And without him, Christ... You can't make anything without Christ. Even if your name is God. Because Christ is the ability, the dunamai of God. So he's upholding things by the word of his power. But he's the creative force behind what he's upholding. Are, are you getting this? Let's go a little further. Hebrews 11.2 For by it, go back to one for context sake. Uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's my business today. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Not my problem either. By faith we see here, we understand that the worlds were framed That the things which are, come on, come on, come on, the things which are seen were not made with the things that are visible. So, by faith, we understand that the world were framed by the word of God, Christ. Because the creative ability of God to say, let there be, let there be. Let, you know, the, sun, the sun will look nice here. The web will look here. Hey, 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 hey. All of that stuff to process the beauty of creation, that force is Christ. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. 15 to 17. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. 16. Mm -hmm. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. It's not done, verse 17. And he is before all things. Oh, can we start this journey? Oh, no, I, I didn't mean it like that way. I didn't mean I'm about to start preaching. No, I'm doing okay. But the journey I said I was going to take you on. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Keep going. 
the earth was without form and void, and darkness was just stay in verse two. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of the Lord uh-huh, was hovering over the face of the water. Stop there, look up. Don't forget, I said the word is written. The word is spoken in a particular situation. The word is logos, the embodiment of thought. And that word is power. Right? And that word is Christ because it's, the word is Christ. And therefore, if the word is power, then Christ is power. If Christ is power, Christ is the entire ability of God. Nothing God can do is done outside Christ. So for God to make anything happen, God expresses that thing in Christ. Because Christ is the logos, the embodiment of everything God can think, do, or become. That's all I've said so far. Verse 3. God said, no, no, leave, let there be light. I just showed you Ephesians 1, Hebrews 1, 3, that he created all things. I showed you Colossians 1, that in him, all things, all things were made by him. I showed you John 1, that all things were made by Christ. And now you know that Christ is that word. Whether spoken, whether written, whether manifested, it is Christ. So, and God Christed. When God said, the setting of God cannot be anything other than Christ. Because he is the logos of God. If something is written, it draws from the logos. If something is uttered, it draws from the logos. The logos is the embodiment of thought and creative ability. And because that thing is a logos, it is power. And the power is the miraculous ability to create or do the supernatural. And Christ is both the embodiment of God's thought as well as the culmination of, of his ability. So if God will create anything, judging by Hebrews 1 that says things were created by Christ and he upholds all things by the word of his power. And Colossians Ones that the Colossians one that says all things were made by him, without him was nothing made that was made. John 1 as well, verse 2 and verse 3. And we come to creation, and God said, The, the ability of God to say, the power behind what he said to come to pass is Christ. This is what it means in Genesis, in John chapter 1, verse 2. My journey has begun. Genesis 1 2. Please stay with me, I beg you. Look at it now. He was in the beginning with God. But in Genesis 1, you don't see Christ. Or so you thought. Because it just says, in the beginning, God created. So if the word was in the beginning with God, where was the word in the beginning? In the mouth of the beginner. In the setting of the beginner. Go back to Genesis 1-3. So this, the word was in the beginning with God. So and God said. As soon as God said. That setting was Christ going into action. That's why all things were created by him. Colossians 1-16. Put it back on the screen. It's a journey. Don't, don't rush it. It's a journey. It's a journey. Colossians 1-16. Look at it critically. It's, it's, it's a discipleship class, right? For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Basically, go back to John chapter 1 verse 3. Be patient enough on the journey. All things were made through him. Look at the next line. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Put that verse 3 in the message. Put that verse 3 in the message. 
Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being. And we shouldn't preach Christ alone. We have not started. Genesis 1-3. Now you understand creation story. And God said. God spoke. The spoken there was Christ remad. Because the situation at that point was darkness needing light. <laughs> Are you following me? And so God spoke, sent Christ as light. John chapter 1, because he's the light of the world that gives light. So at the point that light was needed, Christ became light as God sent him forth. Do you understand? Go back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 6. Oh, Holy Spirit. No, Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. New King James. Genesis 1. Are we here? Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. We just saw Jesus this deployed in creation as light. Yeah, I'll have to go on. If you have your Bible, open it. Genesis 1, 6. And then God said, heavens gathered together in one place. Dry land appeared. Verse 9. And God, verse 11, verse 14, verse 24, verse 20, yeah, verse 24, verse 26. So how did man come about? God said, let us, who is the us? God and the world. See verse 29 at the end of all the setting. 29. Yeah, no, go on. Next verse. 30, I think 30 or 31. Uh, 31, I think. I need 31. Yes. Christ, 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 Christ. Ooh, that's nice. So God just kept... Deploring Christ, just deploring Christ, deploring Christ, deploring Christ, and creation was coming into form. That is why you you cannot become if you are not beholding the becomer. As you're beholding him, you are Christing him, you are Christing him, you're Christing him. One day you stand before him and God is squinting his very big eye to tell the difference between Kosi Christ and Christ Christ. And there's no difference. Because you have stayed in his creative energy long enough. God said, God said, God said, God said, God said, God said. God saw. That means every time God speaks, Christ happens. Write it down. Every time God speaks, Christ happens. And every time Christ speaks, life happens. (laughs) Because Christ is your life. 
Colossians 3. I think verse 3. I think. Are you looking for it? Yes. Your life, before you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4. Yes. When Christ who is your life appears. So when God speaks, Christ happens upon what God has spoken because Christ is what God has spoken in that particular situation. Talk to me, somebody. So when we say that you are healed, in the uttering of God that you are healed, Christ quickly became Rema, healing. And not only does he become the healing, he becomes the avenue through which the healing is administered to you. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? When God speaks, Christ happens. When Christ speaks, life happens. Creation happens. All things become new. Things that were not suddenly come into existence because Christ is the ability of God. So when God speaks a thing, the word of God is Christ. So you look at Ecclesiastes 8.4 and it says, In the word of a king, there is power. And if God is the king of kings and Christ is the word, in the Christ of God, there's power. Because Christ is the word. Of God. I will finish this next week. I can't I can't finish this tonight. Next week we will look at the translation of if I call another word alive this week, will you come? <laughs> if I call one tomorrow evening, will you come? So next week we'll look at how the belief. Okay, listen. At our next word of life, we shall look at the translation of this in the life of the believer. Because as Daniel has said, as Eta has said, as Frederick has said, as a lot of us here know already, Christ is the fullness of God. You, know, you now know what that means. He's the fullness of God. He's the logos of God. Everything God thinks, everything God processes, everything God is capable of putting together, everything is, 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 is Christ. And everything God can do is Christ. God cannot do anything without Christ. That's why the creation could not have existed without Christ. It's one thing to say that this man created something. It's yet another thing to say without this man, it could not have been created. Because to, to say that this guy created a chair does not mean that this other person cannot create a chair. Do you understand what I'm saying? To say that Zini makes fantastic cakes does not mean that, uh, what's the name? Does not make cakes. The fact that one person makes something doesn't mean other people can't make it. So you must understand the difference in the, nom- in the nomenclature of the text. It says all things were made by him. Statement one. Statement two, more crucially, without this guy. So if there is a making, is this guy. If there is something to be made from creation, it's either Christ or nothing. Nothing. God could not do anything outside and without Christ. Christ is the indispensable expression of God. Hence, he's called the express image of God. 
Newsflash, you are now made in that same image. This is when power begins to sweet you. Do you understand? You see why I say this thing is not a splitting thing. It's not something I should split into two messages. It's not, it's not, but I know we have to close. It's not something you have to split into two messages. You are now created in the image of Christ. That means the working of God's power is inside you. Let me tease you a little bit. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. In scripture you all know, but now look at it in, in context. Now to him who is able to do abundantly far above according to the word there is dunamis I beg who is the dunamis of God so once dunamis logos Jesus Yeshua Hamashiach whatever you want to call him once that power is in you Jesus told them he said stay ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with dunamis from on high and he says for you shall receive dunamay when the Holy Ghost comes upon you at that time they could not do anything because power was not in them power was with them so so he said you know because Christ is the power and this is Christ made flesh the word made flesh it can't profit them too much so it says stay here until I go and come back inside you the moment I show up inside you because he is the power of God so the believer in God's image is the believer Christ once you understand that, hey, my brother, my sister, there's no limits in your life. None. Creative energy. You are a plumber, you will plumb. You are a fashion designer, you will design. You are a banker, you will bank. You are a businessman, you will bank. Because God is able. Because of Christ. Because Christ is the ability of God. Now to him, God, who is able to do why won't he be exceeding Duh. why won't he be abundantly why won't he be far above why, why won't he be beyond what you can ask imagine because it is according to duname at work within you the moment you come to the point where you realize I am a power carrier let's give God praise I have to stop here give him praise I have to stop here I have to stop you. So tomorrow we continue. Yeah. If you know what's happening here, you sacrifice anything to get it. Yeah. You understand? Yes, if he says we do it every day for the next month, every day you're going to stay and get it. Yeah. If you feel you can't take it, bye bye, go home. Yeah. It's as simple as that. You can't break now, it's too hot. You know, you have to continue. What is spoken here is incredible. Listen, when God said, let there be light, there was no sun. Yes. One funny pastor I spoke to on Friday thought that it meant the sunlight. I said, no, that mm. came the third or fourth day. Mm. So the light that came was not the light of the sun. Yes. Yes. Okay? It was something totally different. It was Christ made 
mm-hmm. expressed as light. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in the light of Christ that all things are made. Mm-hmm. Without that light, there's only what? Darkness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When the light comes, then you see everything. Mm-hmm. He's the first principle of all things. I told that man, listen, even the order of angels, who's the first? Christ. Mm-hmm. Who do you think the archangel Michael represents? Christ. Only one angel of scripture is called an archangel Michael. He represents who? Christ. And hence Christ was called the angel of the Lord. Of the Lord. Every time he appeared uh-huh. before he was made flesh. Anything the Lord does. Christ. Tomorrow gather here. Alright. Okay, so all in agreement say I. <laughs> Alright. So 5.30 tomorrow. Good night. See you tomorrow. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.